Hi, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez. I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. So today we've got a brand new topic that we're going to talk about, and it's based on safety. Uh, it's based on safety before the flight, mostly. Uh, we're going to talk about some checklists that the FAA recommends us do uh, that are actually in the AIM, uh, and they're really near and dear to my heart. I do them on every single flight, and I recommend you do too. Um, one is the PAVE checklist. Uh, it stands for Pilot, Aircraft, Environment, and External Pressures. So Carson, have you used the PAVE checklist before? Yeah, um, I usually use the PAVE checklist before every flight and going through it. And it's, it, it's not necessarily something that we do by the letter, but sometimes you recognize that something you're doing is applying to that checklist. So I've had to not fly before just because I wasn't feeling well. I've had to not fly before because there was an airplane issue that you know, grounded that plane. Um, whether it's just not safe to fly, we're going to use that checklist pretty much every time. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, for the PAVE checklist, I'm going to kind of break down everything on today's episode, but uh, the PAVE checklist starts with pilot or personal. It's it's basically yourself. And the I'm safe checklist is what accompanies that. And that means that you're checking to see for illness. Uh, do you feel ill? Do you feel sick today? Uh, should you not really fly? Do you have a kind of a head cold? Are you on any medication? Did you take any medication and you can't fly under medication because you don't have a, a waiver on your on your medical or something like that. So did you take any medication? Uh, I know a lot of people will take Benadryl or something, and that will make you extremely drowsy and make it for a not safe flight at all. Uh, do you have any stress going on in your life? Uh, did you just get in a big, big fight with a loved one? Or uh, is something at work uh, messing with your head? Um, are you stressed out? That's probably not a really good time to fly, right? Uh, did you drink any alcohol? You know, eight hours bottle to throttle, no drinking. And uh, I would I would say probably not even 24 hours, to be honest. Um, do you have fatigue? Are you exhausted? Did you get enough sleep last night? Things like that. And then have you eaten anything or are you like starving and you're running on fumes? So that's the I'm safe checklist. And we use that all the time just to make sure we check each one of those things. Has there ever been an instance, Carson, where you've gone to the airport and you've kind of mentally done this checklist and said, oh, wow, maybe I haven't done one of these things or I don't feel the right way. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, it's happened a couple of times. Um, and I've actually had a passenger with me. I was going to take my mom up one of the times and she was like all excited for about two or three days before the flight. Um, just kept saying, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And it got to the day of the flight and I, I just realized I was just not feeling great. Um, and I figured going up and having, uh, having a sinus infection probably wasn't a good idea. So um, I actually... Yeah, there was that. I'm not feeling well. And there was also the external pressure of, I really want to take my mom up with me. Um, You know, she's been really excited about it. I don't want to let her down. But at the end of the day, you have to make the great decision and just decide to cancel the flight. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of brings up a good point. I mean, we're talking about doing the I'm safe checklist for us personally, but we kind of also need to do it for our, our passengers. I mean, we can't take up our passengers if they haven't eaten since for 24 hours. We can't take them up if, if they're drunk and they've been drinking all day, that's just not a good, good idea. Um, and we can't take them up if, if they're really sick. I mean, if they have a head cold, you need to kind of recognize that and make sure they don't fly and a bunch of other things. Uh, those are all, those are all things that I check with my passengers in addition. And it was good that you figured that about yourself, but 
who knows? I'm sure you're taking your mom up for your first flight or her for, for her first flight with you uh, was probably pretty stressful to her, but I wouldn't call that kind of a part of the I'm safe checklist because she's not doing the flying, right? <laughs> yeah, she can just sit there as long as I'm not stressed out. We're absolutely okay. <laughs> yeah, of course. So uh, the next thing on the PAVE checklist is the aircraft. Uh, so we want to make sure that the aircraft is um, is buttoned up. If Is there any outstanding maintenance that needs to be done? Are there any outstanding squawks? Have we went out and done a, a proper pre-flight on the airplane? Uh, do we verify that we have proper fuel reserves, uh, day VFR, night VFR, IFR day or IFR night, uh, uh, fuel fuel minimums? Do we make sure that the aircraft's performance is going to, are we going to be able to take off from this runway today? Uh, do we have all of our charts or the avionics updated? want to make sure our airplane is really in a good, good state. Uh, are there any times that you've gone to the airport, Carson, and you've had a problem with the aircraft or something like that and it scratched your flight for the day? Absolutely. And the thing that usually does it is going for a night flight. And that's when we find out that a light's not working. Um, that's that's yeah, the that, one. That, that, happens, that happens so often. And I think it's because people leave the lights on all the time and they just never turn them off. And you don't really realize that the lights are just on. So they burn out. Uh, so that's probably a very common thing. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah, it's always the uh, always the night flights. And the, the times I usually find myself doing the really thorough in-depth checklist is when I'm going to go on a long cross-country. Uh, if I'm going to go somewhere that needs a fuel stop or I'm going to be running somewhat low on fuel by the time I get there and getting close to my minimums, um, that's why I usually do the really in-depth pre-flight. And it wasn't until something that you said to me um, when I took about 30 minutes for a pre-flight before a long flight you said, why doesn't it take you this long every time? Um, that kind of got me realizing that I am getting too comfortable with just being able to do a, a faster pre-flight and get up and go. Um, and it makes me realize that the aircraft part of it is part of pay for a reason. If that plane's not absolutely ready to go, then you need to do a little extra checking. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's a lot of... A lot of people that'll do the the ten second pre flight, and you do a like a run around, not a walk around, and uh, those generally aren't the best uh, pre flights. I mean, how close can you look at some brake pads or or uh, check fuel or check for certain cotter pins that should be in places they should be? So it's it's best that you don't rush your pre flights. I mean, you don't need to take an hour to do a pre flight, uh, but you do need to uh, to do them in a in a in a very thorough manner. So. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is V on the PAVE checklist, which is environment. And we want to check the environment because we want to know, hey, are we going to be able to take off? Or are we going to be able to land? Uh, and another checklist that we kind of sub-checklist we use for V is actually the NW craft checklist. And uh, that is checking for the NOTAMs, checking for the weather, known ATC delays, runway lengths, are there any alternates available? fuel requirements, and takeoff and landing distances. So first off, NOTAMs. Uh, we have to check for NOTAMs. We can check that through the FAA's uh, websites. Um, weather, we need to make sure that we check aviationweather.gov or different uh, different weather uh, services that we can get weather from. I know in the morning, I just look outside and I'd look at the weather. I'm like, oh, it looks pretty clear or looks pretty dim. Uh, also check the, the, uh, the news. And uh, for known ATC delays, hey, how, how else can we do that besides maybe calling up a briefer, asking them for a briefing? They'll also tell us about the weather and the no-temps and stuff. 
Uh, runway lengths. Runway lengths are a, a really big and important thing. We need to make sure if we can take off and land. I know in our little 172s and things like that, we probably don't have that issue unless you're in a in the middle of the country on a small airport with a grass runway or something like that uh, that's short. But I know if you're flying kind of a mid-sized twin, there's a lot of airports that you might not even be able to get get out of. Um, you may have the landing distance, but the takeoff distance you might not have. Um, I know a friend of mine has an has an Aerostar, and I believe we can land at Catalina Island, but we cannot take off. So that means we'll never be taking that airplane to Catalina Island. It's just not the right right airplane for that particular particular mission, right? Uh, fuel requirements. I mentioned that a few minutes earlier. But fuel, fuel requirements are really important. Like, do I have enough fuel to get somewhere? Uh, do I have enough fuel to get to where I want to go? And am I still going to have the, the FAA minimum reserve left over? Um, I have flown and gone all the way down to minimum fuel before, and I've done that on one flight, and it happened to be my first flight to Oshkosh. And I will never do that again. It was just so unnerving knowing that I only had, uh, I actually had 45 minutes of fuel left day VFR. And it was very unnerving knowing that I had basically minimum fuel. And the last thing on the NW craft checklist is alternates. Uh, we want to know if there's any alternate airports available. What happens if the weather comes in? And it wasn't quite as forecast as it was before. Uh, are there any experiences you've had with alternates or any of the NW craft items, Carson? Yeah, the, the most memorable one for me was using an alternate airport for the first time, uh, just because the weather forced me to. I had flown to Arizona, I was flying back. And I landed at, um, I was supposed to land at Riverside and I had to go up and land at Chino airport instead, just because the weather at Riverside was too bad and it was nighttime and there was a ceiling that was starting to come down a little bit. Um, so I was getting a little bit nervous as far as the weather was concerned and it was pushing me too far out, um, and beyond my minimums, my, or my, my limitations, my limitation is usually about 20 knots, um, and about 20 degrees off and that off runway heading. And it was just making me a little too nervous. So I asked the tower um, what the weather was at Chino because I was still trying to keep control of the airplane and fly it first. And he told me that Chino was pretty much clear. So I went over there and used them as my alternate. And the thing was on my way going to Arizona and on my way back, um, I'd had alternates at both locations. I had Scottsdale as an alternate for Chandler. And coming back, I had Chino as my alternate. So I actually got to use my alternate for the first time. And that was part of the cross-country flight planning that I'd done. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, if the weather's not good where you want to go to, go somewhere else. There's uh, uh, there's no reason to go to that, that original airport, right? Yeah, all I had to do was take an Uber back to go and get my car. And that was worth the, the danger for me flying in conditions that were beyond my limitations. Yeah, absolutely. And also there's another kind of big important thing that comes along with staying safe. And I believe that's really the external pressures that are on you. And I mentioned that a little bit that I experienced that with my mom and there are indirect and direct external pressures. So Brandon, what, what would you have to say from a CFI standpoint on that? I think external pressures, and that's the last letter on the paved checklist is E. Uh, I would say that external pressures is probably the biggest one. Uh, everyone gets, you've heard the term, get there itis. You just want to get to your, your place you're going. Your family wants to go there. Uh, somebody wants to, to get there, right? Um, I'll give you a, a, an example of a time where I had get there itis and I should have listened to myself. And I actually learned from this. 
Uh, and I shouldn't have even left the airport. I should have stayed an extra day or so, even though that would have made me miss work and uh, people would have been unhappy and all these other things. But instead, I put my myself and my family at risk, unfortunately. Um, I was safe with everything, but it just was an uncomfortable uh, day for me, obviously, right? So I'll tell you about a day that I was actually at Big Bear, or not Big Bear, I was at Mammoth Airport, actually, uh, Mammoth Airport. And I was actually in my friend's uh, Saratoga or Cherokee 6300, I believe it is actually. And uh, he let me borrow it for the weekend. I was, I took it up there and we went uh, snowboarding and stuff and we were all hanging out. Uh, but my girlfriend's uh, father was having a really, really cool birthday party and all of the family was going to be there and it was going to be a really uh, amazing, amazing day. He hit a milestone birthday. And so we had to get back down to, uh, uh, to Southern California and make that birthday party kind of in the mid afternoon. Well, I decided we'd take off, and when you leave there, there's a valley that you normally leave through. Well, that was socked in IFR and low icing, obviously, because it was winter. We were snowboarding. So I actually had to go further east, and I had to actually hug the side of a uh, restricted airspace, which was hot, so I couldn't go in it, hug the side of a restricted airspace, go all the way towards Vegas, and then go all the way home, all while fighting hard IFR conditions, uh, staying underneath certain uh, layers. That way I wouldn't get any icing and then unexpected icing occurs and I'm starting to get icing. So I'm trying to get away from the icing now. Uh, And there's no real airports that I can land at or go to. So I have to keep pressing forward or turn all the way back and weather behind me is not getting any better. Uh, So I had to make the decision. Okay. By the time I'm getting towards Vegas, should I divert to Vegas and have everybody irritated or should I continue on? Well, of course I've got I've got external pressures and get their itis. So I decided to go to keep on going. Now, granted, there were no, no major problems that day. I didn't experience any loss of altitude or anything like that. And I was flying still, but I still didn't like just a little bit of ice that started to accumulate every once in a while and then fell off and accumulated and fell off. So it was a time where I should have just been the PIC. I made the, made the decision, Hey, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to let external pressures force me into flying. And uh, I'll tell you this, I've had that same thing happen several other times, and I've made the decision not to fly. Everyone's irritated at me for not flying, but I don't care. Uh, at least everyone's safe. Uh, no one can get mad at me for, for, for being too safe, at least in the long run. So uh, external pressures are a big thing, and they will happen to every pilot, no matter how good or safe you think you are. Make sure that you just you listen to yourself and don't let those other people try to influence your decisions. Today, we got to talk about the NW craft checklist, the PAVE checklist, and the I'm safe checklist. All of those things are really pivotal to flight safety. And I'm hoping you took something from today and maybe even my little story about my get there itis and external pressures. And hopefully, you can learn something from that and be a, become a safer, better pilot. And uh, Carson, I, I think you feel the same way, right? I agree. Uh, most of the things that can go wrong are absolutely avoidable and doing, taking the steps that you need to take as far as following the checklists, making sure you and your airplane are ready to fly. That's key to avoiding anything that can go wrong. And thank you everyone else for listening today. We really hope that you understand what, what the key components are of a safe flight and that it really begins with yourself. Absolutely. And by the way, if you'd like to reach out to either one of us about aircraft safety or the paved checklist or NW craft, or you just want some advice on, on some things that can happen, some hypotheticals, please feel free and reach out to either one of us. Uh, you can reach out to me at Mr. Martini Guy or Carson at Carson underscore AV17. 
to uh, share any any stories you have with us as well. And one more thing before we go, I want to wish my sister Sydney a happy birthday. It's her 17th birthday. She was one of my first passengers. She's been one of the listeners since day one. Sydney, have a fantastic day. And for everyone else, just remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride. Thanks, guys.